0: do you want to know who's the hottest president doesn't make you glow to learn sick care below? Time with us. We all dress like your dad and wear glasses. We assure you it's not that bad
1: with three dudes wearing glasses. My name is Gus, and I am wearing some very cool linen pants.
2: My name is Mitchell, and I'm wearing gray shorts. My name's Evan, and I'm wearing khaki shorts.
1: And we are three dudes wearing plaid. Every week on this show, we learn something brand new. The only catch is we have no idea what we're going to be learning about yet. If the sound sounds a little sound... Uh, if the sound sounds a little different Don't this week... Don't explain it. Don't explain it.
2: We're not explaining? Don't explain it. They'll just figure it out?
1: If the sound sounds a little different this week, no it doesn't.
2: You're <laughs> you You're imagining it, and that's because
0: you're crazy. The sound sounds exactly the same as it always has. It's always sounded like this. Yes.
2: How to gaslit ten people.
1: <laughs> Wait, how to gaslit ten people?
2: How to gaslight ones of people at the same time. <laughs> You've been gaslit. I feel like my bit about wearing pants and or shorts has been usurped and now it's not cool anymore. But also if I move on to a new thing, we might just gravitate to doing that thing.
1: You're a trendsetter, you can't help it. But
2: what if I don't what if I don't want to be a trendsetter anymore? Too like, bad. Music- cue the cue the musical, like like big I want song moment. about not wanting to be a trendsetter anymore
1: (laughs) in this case it's an I don't want song I don't want
2: well no it's I want like I want uh, maybe a small house in the country so it's like a woman she's on the top of the field she's I don't know the CEO of the Wall Street Journal yeah and she doesn't want that anymore no well the CEO of the Wall Street Journal is not a trendsetter I don't know who it is and I'm willing to make that bet I mean no Uh, you're probably right because it's always I want to become something but it's like what if you're already at the top of your game baby what if you're like a cultural icon <laughs> be like one of those one of the celebrity musicals like bruce springsteen comes on stage and he just has his guitar and he's like you know i don't really want to do music anymore i'm really into juggling though sure. <laughs> he just like does a variety of other things i assume that's what happens in bruce springsteen the musical isn't there a bruce springsteen musical like i think that exists it, right? no it does exist that's, that's does. what i'm basing it off of Oh, okay. sure he's a very talented man
1: yeah i mean he was born in the usa
0: i presume he was born in the usa uh-oh
1: Well, that's one of his songs.
0: I know, but like, maybe he wasn't born in the USA and he's
2: lying.
1: Would a man as talented as Bruce Springsteen lie about the circumstances of his birth? Yes. Absolutely, yes. yes.
2: Wouldn't you if you were born in name of place withheld for legal reasons?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I would. Like, is it more embarrassing? Like, I'm thinking about like... If you're
2: born in the USA, you you can't go to Eurovision.
1: That is true.
2: I don't think.
0: In Eurovision, is that, like, the deciding factor for, like, if you get to perform for your country, being born in that country? Or is it, like, being a citizen of said country? What is... The criteria for being on Eurovision. Can I sing in Eurovision?
1: Absolutely not, but not for the reason you think. Uh, Well, Evan, it's funny you should ask, because the Eurovision Song Contest at Eurovision.tv has a list of all of its rules. It specifically says the Eurovision Song Contest has a detailed set of rules, and the R in rules is capitalized. Aw, yeah.
2: (laughs) We're getting radical on this episode.
1: This is going to take me a moment Jesus to determine- This is indeed detailed. They were right. <laughs> All right, hang on. We've got presentation of the acts, songs, artists. No contestant and or artist may compete for more than one country.
2: That doesn't rule me out yet. That doesn't rule
1: you out. They have to be at least 16 on the day of the final. That also doesn't rule you out.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm on, I'm on the Wikipedia page for rules of the Eurovision Song Contest, and no rule has ever been implemented to limit the nationality or country of birth of the competing artists. Many competing countries with a small population, such as Luxembourg and Monaco, are regularly represented by artists and composers from other countries, and several winning artists in the contest history have held different nationality or born in a different country to that which they represented. Okay. So, I mean, you could be born in the USA and compete for Eurovision. You just have to convince a European country, to let you compete at Eurovision, Evan.
1: Oh, Evan, I'm sorry. You would be prohibited.
2: Oh, damn. What did I do this time?
1: Each performance may consist of a maximum of six people on stage. No live animals shall be allowed on stage. <laughs> Red. Oh. So
0: everyone who's ever performed at Eurovision is a
2: robot.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, with your meat flesh, just couldn't couldn't hack it you, couldn't do it
2: you sack of mostly gotta water, stop being meat. meat bag full of water most bag of mostly water i'm gonna hit the phrase that that from that one star trek episode if i just iterate enough times
0: i'm sure you are but like i do know that eurovision is open to non-european countries because i'm currently on looking at the list of all of the countries that do eurovision uh. and at least three of them are certainly not in europe are we
1: are I know one of them is Australia, but I feel like that one is fair because it was a British, like, penal colony. Yeah. And I feel like if you create an entire country out of your penal colony, the fucking least you can do is let them compete in your song contest.
0: Okay, the others are Israel. Okay. And Morocco. Okay. I don't know. I don't want to argue about the definition of Europe, because that would be a whole episode. But Israel is probably not in Europe, and I feel like
2: I could also make a good argument that Morocco is not in Europe. You could, but fortunately you wouldn't have to, because I'm looking at participation, because there's a fun map on Wikipedia if you just look up the Eurovision Song Contest. Mm-hmm. In addition, it says, well, what got me curious was, countries that have participated, but also countries that are eligible but have not participated. Oh! Because Eurovision is run by, I guess, the European Broadcasting Union, or or a number of telecommunications companies. Sorry, the European Broadcasting Union is like the organization that runs it, and it's made up of other countries and then corporations. Any country within the European Broadcasting Area, which is defined in turn by the International Telecommunication Union, as <clears throat> encompassing the geographical area between the boundary of ITU Region 1 in the west, the meridian 40 degrees east of Greenwich in the east, and parallel 30 degrees north in the south. So Armenia, Azerbaijan, Georgia and Ukraine, Iraq, Jordan, and Syria lying outside those limits are also included in the European Broadcasting Area.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at a map of the European Broadcasting Area right now, and basically every country bordering the Mediterranean Sea as well as what we traditionally consider Europe is all included.
1: So what I'm hearing is that, Evan, you should move to one of the countries that's never participated and convince them to let you represent them.
2: Mm -hmm. I'm gonna move to Libya. You do that, King. All right. This is my plan. I'm going like, to Libya. Like pop off. I'm not going to stop you. I actually I have a friend whose dad works for the Jordan, the Jordanian mission to the UN. So you go to Jordan. I could go to Jordan. Jordan's in the, the European broadcast area. Then the, they're a monarchy. That's about mm-hmm. all I know about Jordan.
1: And Evans a king. It works great. There we
2: go. I'll <laughs> become the new king of Jordan. The new king of Jordan, where they filmed, I think, a lot of Dune, the upcoming Dune film.
1: <laughs> oh really, Mitchell? Did they film the upcoming Dune film there?
2: Well, you can't talk about this. <laughs> Can
1: you tell me more about the upcoming Dune film? You
2: shall not sway me from talking about the Eurovision Song Contest, Gus.
1: <laughs> the Eurovision Song Contest does actually have a little overview of its history on its website, which oh, is very fun. cool because mm-hmm. this is an interesting history. The Eurovision Song Contest began as the brainchild of Marcel Benzesson of the EBU. The contest was based on Italy's San Remo Music Festival and was designed to test the limits of live television broadcast <laughs> technology. Apparently not to test the limits of songwriting. Just the broadcast. The first contest was held in 1956. Seven nations participated. With a live orchestra, which was the norm in the early years of Eurovision, and simple sing-along songs on every radio station, the contest grew into a true pan-European tradition. Mm. And there was Mm. some controversy about what language the songs could be sung in.
2: Originally, you mean Mm. Yeah. Okay.
1: They did sort this out. Participants generally sang in their national language. However, in 1965, the Swedish entry, entitled Absent Friend, was sung in English. Mm. And then the EBU set very strict rules on languages and said national languages had to be used in all lyrics. Uh, mm. that makes okay. sense. But then, songwriters across Europe soon tagged onto the notion that success would only come if the judges could understand the content resulting in such entries as boom, bang, a bang, (laughs) and la, la, la. In 1973, the rules on language use were relaxed so that people could sing in languages that the judges would understand if they wanted to. And in 1974, the Eurovision Song Contest was won by Sweden performers ABBA singing (gasps) Waterloo.
0: Hello. So, I'm looking at the list of all the winners of Eurovision, and a lot of the most famous ones, such as the wonderful band ABBA, which we all know and love.
2: Aren't they getting back together? They wow.
0: are! They're having a new song that's coming out quite soon. That's I'm exciting. really
2: excited for it.
0: <laughs> ABBA, which we have known, is of course European. Julio Iglesias, also European. Olivia Newton-Jodd, European. Celine Dion, not European. Oh. But, she competed in Eurovision 1988, the 33rd edition of Eurovision. Ooh. In which she sung for Switzerland, despite being Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> the song she sang was Ne Partez Pas Saint-Moi, but it's okay, because she was a Francophone Canadian, and she was singing in French for Switzerland, which is fine, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's... I'm good. sure that's
1: how that works. <laughs> I mean, it is how that works, but you know what? I'm trying
2: to be less judgy on this podcast because I listened back and I think I think I was really I've been really judgy to some people. So you know what? You go, Queen. Can I talk about the 1957 Eurovision contest for a second? I sure would like you to. Because here's the thing: I found it because of a note in the list of the rules about song length. I guess 1957 was only the second Eurovision, so it makes sense that there were rules, rules were a little a little slippery at that time. But the Italian entry was five minutes and nine seconds long because there were no rules on necessarily, like, length that the song had to be. And the shortest one was the UK, which was one minute and 52 seconds.
1: Oh! And so
2: people were kind of like, this, this doesn't seem right, does it? So eventually the EBU restricted each song to a maximum of three minutes, a rule that still applies. But the reason I'm talking about this is not just because of a little wrinkle in the rules. It's also because duos were allowed to compete here, and I presume that they still are. And the two representatives of Denmark, Berta Wilke and Gustav Winkler, were the first of such acts to participate under the rule change allowing duos. And at the end of the performance, they exchanged the longest smooch in the contest history. How long? It doesn't say how long. Well, now uh I need to know. But it does note that the reason that it was so long was because a member of the production Production staff forgot to give, like, the hand sign that said, like, okay, it's time to be done with your smooch, so they just kind of kept smooching.
1: <laughs> okay, this isn't from, like, a super reliable source. Uh-huh. From the EurovisionTimes.WordPress.com, it claims that a member of the production staff said the kiss lasted 11 seconds. On AussieVision.net for International Kissing Day, it claims that the kiss was 13 seconds long. <sighs> So an average of 12 for that kiss, which, granted, is a fucking lot for live television, but... It's not that long. ...is much shorter than I kind of anticipated with, like, the shock and horror of that tone.
2: They're just still smooching, I guess. Yeah, Eurovision TV, the source on Wikipedia, and the correct source here, doesn't actually say how long it was. It just says it was the longest, which I feel is like, you gotta tell us now. You gotta. You have to know.
1: Something that I did not consider with regard to Eurovision, but of course I should have because Mm. it makes sense, is the fact that the end of the Cold War Mm, in the mm. early 1990s meant there were suddenly a lot more countries competing (laughs) in Eurovision. Yes, there were.
2: (laughs) I wonder why that was.
1: Hmm. Yeah, the, the former Eastern Bloc countries suddenly started competing in Eurovision for the first time, and that process has continued as more and more countries like participate in Eurovision, and for this reason, in 2004, the semi-final format was introduced by the EBU, which turned into two semi-finals in 2008. Now, all countries except the Big Five France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and the UK, right. together with the host country mm-hmm. so all countries except the Big Five plus one, must be in a semi-final top ten to qualify for the final Mm -hmm. fucked up that france germany italy spain and the uk just like get a pass like hasn't the uk never won eurovision we need to stop giving them free passes
0: they've won five times
1: okay okay.
2: yeah five out of wait 56 that's that's a fair Mm. number of times
1: that's fair but when when was the last time they won
2: Oh, I don't know, actually. You know what? F- flip the script. The fact that we think that the UK often loses Eurovision means that they shouldn't get a spot anymore. The <laughs> last
1: time the UK won Eurovision was in 1997.
2: Okay. Which yep. was
1: well before the semi-final format was introduced.
2: Oh. Okay. So they've never won when they get a spot? Yeah. <laughs> LMAO.
1: Automatically getting a spot. They've never fucking done anything with it. They've never won with that automatic spot in the finals. So, uh, we should stop giving it to them.
0: The UK does, however, hold the record for the most second-place finishes, (laughs) having come up runner-up in the contest... 15 times holy shit but the biggest loser of eurovision is norway which has come last more than any Aww. other country
1: oh that's sad
0: having come at the very very last place 11 times and have scored zero points four times
1: oh man
0: the biggest winner though of eurovision is ireland surprisingly which has seven wins followed by sweden because Abba, they've been blessed followed by franks and luxembourg which is not a real country
1: i don't just claim Luxembourg isn't real. It's
0: tiny. Okay, it's, it's small. Tiny. It's very, it, very small.
1: But it feels fucked up to just be like there is no Luxembourg. Yeah. This is a yeah. UK only hate podcast. Yeah, yes.
2: which oh. yeah. By yeah. the way, it makes sense that the UK hasn't won since 1997 because uh, they don't exist. So exactly, I don't know why we even wasted time with that was just cut all. Also, if you'll indulge me,
0: as a person who loves voting systems, to talk a little bit about the incredibly fucked up voting system used by Eurovision. Oh, please. It took me a long time of staring at this screen to try to understand it. Basically, each country gets two sets of points that they can use in their voting. So half of their points they use when they do the voting are decided by a set of five professional musicians from that country, no clarification on what that means, who get to allocate half of the points. And then the other half are allocated American Idol style by, like, text, blah, 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 for whatever. Oh. And so, like, everyone in the country, and they, like, tally up those, and that's the other half of the points. But the points are allocated by, they can give 1 point, 2 point, 3 point, 4 point, 5 point, 6 point, 7 point, 8 point, and then 10 points, and then 12 points. So they can choose 10 favorite songs, but, like, the most preferred get two more points than the second most preferred and then third and down it's only one more point.
2: I worry we're gonna sound like very enthusiastic members of the board game club trying to introduce a new person to an archaic okay set of rules. Cause they are kinda wonky.
1: I'm already confused actually.
2: I know. I just love voting systems, sorry. Same, bestie we should start a voting <laughs> systems podcast.
1: Oh god. <laughs>
2: Marquis de Condorcet he should have performed at Eurovision oh boy one person gets that joke and I'm I'm rooting for you
1: A fun fact about Eurovision is that even though it has taken place 64 times, It has 67 winners. What? How? In 1969, four countries topped the scoreboard with an equal amount of points. The UK, Spain, the Netherlands, and France. Lacking rules to resolve tie situations,
2: (laughs) The EBU had
1: to declare all four contestants as the winner. Tie rules were introduced shortly after. This is like the same fucking thing where they introduced the timer to competitive chess so that people didn't spend two hours on one move. Mm -hmm. Mm Yes. Sometimes you get a situation that you didn't plan for, even though you definitely should have.
2: Well, surely our system will never produce the same number, despite the fact that we're allocating, we're allowing people to allocate multiple numbers, <laughs> one to ten. If you're, uh, it should, you should be forced to, if you ever are working with, like, voting or allocation of numbers, you have to talk to a number theorist before you do anything, because they would have figured this shit out. How am my number theorists out there doing tonight? Yeah! <laughs> Oh, evidently there's also a Eurovision dance contest. Oh. Um, Yeah. It started in 2007. It's a co-production between the EBU and the BBC. It is like an American Idol or Dancing with the Stars. Vote Vote now on your phones. And in the first one, in 2007, evidently there was both a ballroom and a freestyle section with a, quote, national flavor. So this was written by someone who uses the U in Flavor. Uh, mm, that tells um, us what we need to know. <laughs> yeah. But it was uh, hosted by Graham Norton, who continues to do commentary for the Eurovision Song Contest for the BBC and has been doing it since um, 2008. So that's a while. You go, Graham. Damn, Graham. Damn, Graham. Damn, Graham.
1: The theme for the 2021 Eurovision Song Contest in Rotterdam is Open Up.
2: That's it? That's that's just the whole theme?
1: Oh, don't you worry. a Backer? I don't know how to pronounce that name, unfortunately, but they are the executive producer of- wait, what? This is Uh gonna take a
2: second. Hold on. No,
1: I'm just gonna read this to you. The slogan, open up, is intentionally incomplete. Open up to each other. Open up to music. Open up to Rotterdam. Open up to whatever you choose. Feel the freedom to complete the slogan in your own way. That way we get to know each other better, says Sietzebacher. Executive producer event of the Eurovision Song Contest 2020. I
2: feel like like a line editor might have fallen asleep Mm -hmm. there. Yeah,
1: I'm not quite sure what that means, but that's why the whole slogan is open up.
2: Also, I said I would be kinder, but has the Netherlands never heard of ambiguity? Like, hmm, yes, you see, we've done this cool new invention over here where I've left a phrase incomplete so that you might complete or interpret it however you would like. It's like, yeah, dude, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it, guys.
0: I am currently reading a section on the Wikipedia page of the Eurovision Song Contest about political controversies. <gasps> oh, I know there was one last year. I wonder if oh, you mentioned it. I don't it. know about that one. But... There have been a lot. The conflicts between Armenia and Azerbaijan have Mm. been led to many things. In 2014, the Russian representative to Eurovision was not allowed to compete because it was being held in the Ukraine, Uh. and that was when the whole Crimea thing was happening. And uh, the Ukrainian government said that the Russian person, the Russian song contest participant had entered the Crimea illegally and was unable to enter the Ukraine to participate. And in 2009, the Georgian song was widely criticized for supposedly being an anti-Putin song. So, uh... Russia didn't like that. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I'm seeing the uh, the controversy for this year involves the uh, country of Belarus, Belarus, where there are uh, currently lots of demonstrations
2: against Lukashenko, the president,
0: for uh, being an autocrat.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the whole the whole thing was the performer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Performer was like, "Hmm, yes, let's let's crack down on those. Let's crack down on protesters <laughs> in Belarus." Dude, I thought okay. it was. Weir- I thought it was weird too, man. <laughs> I think he was doing some like pro-government, anti processor shit.
1: Okay. The website planetradio.co.uk has twelve facts you probably didn't know about the Eurovision Song Contest.
2: Twelve facts, Ooh. a listicle. Please give them to me. Love a listicle.
1: Well, thing is, most of these facts. We do know, because we just found them Uh, out. okay. But there are some interesting ones, including it seems performing second is cursed. No country ever to perform second on the final night has ever gone on to win the contest.
2: Wow. Second on the final night, you say?
1: Second, I guess, in the finals oh. is what they mean. This is, the Brits are writing this. Mm, of
2: course.
1: So, yeah, if you go second in the finals, I guess you're just fucked. Oh, and the highest number of, like, 12-point scores, the highest number of perfect scores, mm-hmm. was awarded to Sweden in 2012, with the extremely popular track... Okay, I is have to... Is it Swedish? This up. No, it's not. It looks like it should say, Euphoria? but it says Europhia, which maybe that's a play on Europe. I'd have to look it up. Anyway, it's by the artist Laureen, and 18 countries all awarded that performance a perfect score. It must
0: have been good. It
1: must have slapped. You're going to have to listen
0: to Europhia. It is Euphoria. Oh, it's Euphoria. Damn.
1: I'm just picking out typos today.
0: Come on, y'all. So in addition to the Eurovision Dance Contest, which we've already talked about, Eurovision hosts many other competitions, including Eurovision Young Musicians, which is a classical music competition for oh. European musicians between the ages of 12 and 21. Eurovision Young Dancers, which is the same as Young Musicians except for dancing. Eurovision Choir, which is a choral competition for non-professional European choirs. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, which is just Eurovision, but for nine through 14. So if you're 15, you're fucked. 15 oh. <laughs> year olds cannot participate in Eurovision. That's probably a good thing.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair.
2: Whoa, wait. Waiting. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate that. I really respect that about you. I have never heard of this person before, but I guess they're a big old world celebrity, and I'm just in my American echo chamber. But Dana International? Do we know who this person is? No idea. Dana International, who I guess is this very popular pop singer. A pop pop singer, as I like to call them sometimes. Won Eurovision for Israel in 1999? Mm-hmm. And was the first trans winner of Eurovision.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: There's a, some article from some publication in the Wayback Machine that is not loading, but that's like, it's clearly because it's in the Wayback Machine, mm-hmm. like terminology was different, but it's Dane International, the most famous transsexual in the world. It's just like, hell yeah, pop off, queen. Hell yeah. Nice. I am
0: currently reading about American Eurovision. Uh oh. Which is going to become a thing next year. Wait, wait. no, no,
1: no, 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 no. And it's, wait, this is different from American Idol?
0: It's different from American Idol. What it's going to be is that there will be competitors from all 50 U.S. states, five territories, and Washington, D.C. competing for the best song in America on NBC in the summer of 2022. No, 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 no. I regret to inform you that this is happening. But that sucks. (laughs) The concept of producing an American version of Eurovision was met with
2: lukewarm
1: reactions. (laughs) Yeah! Honestly, lukewarm seems generous. Jesus.
2: Mm -hmm. It's just, like, listen, it's not that it's bad. It is but it's just we already have, like, eight singing shows. I know. We don't need this. And
1: also, like, the whole thing with Eurovision is that, like, the culture and language differ vastly across all of the European nations. And while, granted, different regions of the United States have vastly different cultures from each other, it's not like there's, like, a national language of Arkansas. Arkansas
0: Arkansasian. Arkansian.
1: Arkansish?
0: Arkansish. I like that.
1: But, yeah, I (sighs) just... you <laughs> I know we have to be very special boys who have everything to ourselves because we're America and we can't let other people have nice things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, like, the point of Eurovision is completely defeated by just doing it for America. I'm glad at least the US territories in Washington, D.C. are getting included. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, voting rights would be better, but this is nice.
2: Oh my god, wait, this is such a good quote. This is right after talking about lukewarm reactions. Andy Kriza of Time Out which I guess is some sort of publication, wrote that the American Song Contest's biggest challenge is, quote, the relative homogeneity of the American musical landscape, unquote, that its pop stars need to be paired with colorful colorful performers like drag queens, rocking balls, clowns, gospel singers, and the like. Justin Kirkland of Esquire predicted that the contest will be a colossal nightmare, (laughs) adding that Americans lack the self-deprecation, campiness, and selfless energy to pull this off. Yeah, America is not camp enough to do Eurovision. And Chris Murphy, no not that Chris Murphy.
1: Oh, a different Chris Murphy. (laughs)
2: Of Vulture.com pointed out that the TV (laughs) landscape of the United States is saturated with singing and talent competitions, adding that, quote, no one's gonna write a song as catchy as Husevich, and I'm sure they won't.
1: Whatever (laughs) Hussevic is, I'm sure he's right. Well, thanks to Chris for that fantastic quote, and to you boys for learning about Eurovision, and what have we learned today?
2: Well, we've learned that Eurovision is a song contest put on by the European Broadcasting Union, which encompasses a bunch of, like, nations and telecommunications companies in a certain geographical area. It's held once a year where people representing their countries compete for the best original song.
0: Representing the country does not mean you are from the country. For example, Celine Dion performed for Switzerland. She is not Swiss. She's Canadian. But there is lots of drama about the languages that the songs are sung in, and I believe the current state of affairs is that they must be the national language of the country which is being represented
1: the age restrictions for Eurovision are that performers must be 16 years old by the time the final happens but Eurovision also runs a bunch of different contests there's a dance contest there's one for young singers and young dancers except the ages of these things are such that if you're 15 you're fucked You are neither young enough for Eurovision kids nor old enough for regular Eurovision, so just uh, go study and enjoy your sophomore year of high school, I guess.
2: There's a lot of weird, archaic rules to Eurovision. The point system doesn't make any sense, and they've been revised along the way, much like many other competitions. But Eurovision is not that old. It started in 1956, so things are still, I guess, somewhat in the loosey-goosey phase.
0: Eurovision, the competitors, there's like a ranking system, so not everyone gets to compete. But, like, France, the UK, and Germany, and all those big guys get to compete, even though France is not actually that good. They've not won that many times. They've won second in the most times of That's any... That's the UK, not France. The UK, sorry. But Ireland, good for them, have beat the UK finally and have won Eurovision more than anyone else. Norway has won the least of anyone. Rip Norway. Rip Norway. Rip Norway,
1: Rip Norway and there's gonna be an American Eurovision. Boo. It's gonna suck! It has been greeted with at most lukewarm reception <laughs> because the 50 states and the territories and Washington D.C. don't each have their own individual music cultures and languages so it's gonna be real weird and I suspect it's just gonna be like 30 pop country songs and like 25 regular pop songs
2: and one Olivia Rodrigo <laughs>
1: Well, on that note, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. If you hate the show, please make it fifteen years old so it can't compete in Eurovision. And either way, follow us on Instagram at three DWPcast. I'm Gus.
2: I'm Mitchell. And I'm Evan.
1: And this has been Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Have a great day.
2: Next time on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Would they have little? Would they have little mouths? No, they just kind of like, the sound just kind of emanates from them, you know? Okay. They, they, the eyes might kind of go like...
1: I'm not sure how I feel about this.
2: That is the sound eyes would make, though. No, you're they made right. a noise.
1: But should you say it?
2: Find out next week on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid.
1: <laughs>